This week on Pilot Co-Pilots, we have Randy Kleiner of Series Fest and discuss NBC's Crowded with Ann Berkowitz. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pilot Co-Pilots, where each episode we talk to TV industry guests and take you on a guided tour through the pilot episode of one of the season's newest shows. That's right, we treat each new series like the animals at a cat shelter. We really want them to be cute, but often they're quite grotesque. That is true. Yeah. I'm Maya Boudreaux. Gooey eyes. And I'm (laughs) Evan Watkins. As you heard before, today we discuss NBC's new show, Crowded, with actress Anne Berkowitz. And guys, we discussed that pilot in different cities than Anne. Yes. Amazing. Wow. Technology. The internet is an amazing place. (laughs) Um, So... There are a couple weird little audio things, but generally, I mean, I was pretty amazed. Yeah. Uh, And then in the second half of the podcast, we talked to Randy Kleiner, CEO of the new television festival Series Fest, about the success of the first year and what's going to be coming up for year two. Yeah. And that we actually were in New York for. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we just, we actually were at the National Opera Center in a practice room. We recorded that. So I'm actually shocked because my neighbor in my real apartment where we usually record is also an opera singer. So it's shocking to me that there hasn't been any uh, opera music in the background so far. <laughs> I mean, it might pop up yeah, in later that's episodes. True. It's Be a nice warned. little Easter egg for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get to it. Yeah, here we go. All right, now comes the part of the show where we discuss a pilot. We are watching today, or discussing... Crowded, NBC's new multi-camera sitcom. We're here with Ann Berkowitz, NYC-based actress, best known for August Osage County on Broadway. Thanks so much for being with us, Ann. Thank you for having me, guys. I suppose we should get right into it. Um, Yeah, let's get to it. Let's do it. We watched Crowded, as I mentioned, NBC. Um, I will read you here the logline, and then we'll kind of discuss if that is a pretty good portrayal of what the show is. Okay. I would hope so, since it's pretty simple. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Crowded. No more sex, booze, and paying the bills naked. After 20 years of parenting, empty nesters Mike, Patrick Warburton, and Martina, Carrie Preston, are finally reclaiming their wild side. Yet when both of the two grown daughters unexpectedly move back in, and Mike's parents scratch their plans to spend their golden years in Florida, their roost is full again. From executive producer Sean Hayes, this new and very timely family comedy proves that life is crazy with a full house, especially the second time around. Crowded. (sighs) Did not realize Sean Hayes Hayes was Yeah. Uh, okay, so, so here's the deal, guys. So the creator of this is Suzanne Martin. She's also the creator of Hot in Cleveland, mm-hmm. and she wrote for Frasier and was an executive story editor uh, for that as well. Now, James Burroughs directed uh, the pilot, and he's, you know, one of the most famed sitcom directors in all of TV. Maybe of all time. Yeah, I, created yeah, Cheers. Um, so, and he he actually directed every single Will episode of Will and Grace. Yeah. So I think that is how Sean Hayes got involved in this. And all three of those people are um, executive producers. So that's kind of, I think, the story behind Sean Hayes being involved. It's interesting to me that they, that in this uh, description, he's the name because 
he's not really involved story-wise or directing-wise. Like, it's mainly Suzanne Martin, the hot in Cleveland uh, lady. Hmm. Yeah, NBC really seems to be trying to get some sort of vehicle for Sean Hayes going. Because what was the other one? Life with Sean or something? <laughs> I don't we call know. everything Life with him. <laughs> no, remember Sean Hayes had a show maybe last year or the year after? I yeah. don't remember that, and I love yeah. Sean Hayes. Yeah, he did have so Yeah, so... But I, I, I would say, um, as far as the log line goes, that's a pretty good description of what the show wants to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. The thing that I find interesting about that is like, oh, yeah, they're getting their sex on and everything again. But they don't even – like we start seeing them right before the kids come back and they're like – They don't have an opportunity. It yeah. seems like a matter of hours. Yeah, they're like they're like, "Oh, like we're going to smoke some pot. We haven't done this since our girls have left." But it's like it it's like just they smoke pot literally as the the kids are walking in the door. Yeah. So, and that's the weirdest thing for me uh, about this pilot is the the beginning, the first moment is a voiceover and it's Patrick Warburton saying, you know, it's going to be so great when the kids go away. And then it's it's two clips of them crying hysterically when their daughters go away and then so that's like i i thought kind of a waste of two minutes because to me it should have just been an established thing where they're two adults living at home enjoying themselves uh and they're and they're you know they talk about their kids but their kids are gone i think it really would have helped establish the characters a little more totally um, the kids still yeah. definitely felt like a presence in their lives yeah, they walk. She they walk in through the door after dropping off Miranda Cosgrove, and I mean, seems like she walked back in the next day. Yeah, yeah. exactly. She, um, I mean, did she even go to call? I mean, oh my gosh. Well, regardless, okay. So Patrick Warburton is the dad. Uh, we know him from Putty. Seinfeld. Uh, he played the Tick on Fox. He's on Rules of Engagement, um, and then Martina, the mother. She's played by Carrie Preston, best known from True Blood as Arlene. Um, so th those are the parents. And then we've got the two daughters, uh, Shay, who's played by Miranda Cosgrove, who was the star of iCarly, which interestingly enough, her name was Carly Shay on iCarly, <laughs> and now her name is just Shay on this show. Um, <laughs> then we've got Patrick Warburton's dad, played by Stacey Keach, who's in everything, always plays like a military man or a cop. You kind of, you, you know, you know his face. And he's he he's got a, he's got a cleft lip man. and always a, a little bit of a, a mustache. And yeah, he's Stacey Keach. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the cast. And you know what? For the most part, I find that the cast is, well, <clears throat> Stacey Keach and Patrick Warburton, I think do a, <laughs> an okay job trying to do something with this. Guys, script. I truly, like, I, I don't even know what to say. I, I I found it so intolerable. Like I just like there's I don't know. I'm being so negative. I just feel like no. <clears throat> okay, it was so formulaic. It is. Oh, it's so stale. It's that is so the one stale. thing about this show that I have to say. It is. It, it, it feels wholly unoriginal. And I guess being from the woman that did Hot in Cleveland, at least Hot in Cleveland had sort of a premise that was a little interesting, but. The comedy in that is kind of, you know, naughty, but also stale. You know what I mean? It, I it was a, never, yeah, like, reaching as far as it so wanted to. They're trying so hard to be naughty in this, too. But it's so, it's so like, clean cut that they don't even mm. – it doesn't feel naughty at all. Like yeah. I have – 
I have sort of a dumb question or maybe it's obvious, but there's a laugh track. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, are they performing it in front of a live studio audience? Cause I thought not. I mean, I assumed, I, I assumed they were, I feel like it's so cheap to just put a laugh track, but maybe they are. I don't, I don't know. I wish I would have looked I into mean, that. I mean, I feel like screaming at the top of their lungs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're really acting. Carrie Preston, or is that her name? Yeah. I have a real problem with the performance choices she's making. And it's the daughters. I mean, they're tough. all go, they're also over the top. I feel like Patrick Warburton is trying to stay stay grounded, and so is Stacey Keach. And it's just it's just a tough time because the the ladies are chewing at the scenery you oh, know man. but like Making the parts they've been given the t- the two daughters like they're it's the smart one and the stupid one and that is well, so the modern family like, daughters just done worse yeah so stereotypical there's a nerd and then there's like a floozy actress um who's not very smart and the nerd um, lines are like are like i calculated the times that it would take for me to <laughs> get into the room it's like nobody yeah. speaks that way so of course it comes i think she's a great actress but like she's given this material that's so difficult yeah, yeah. um and it's you know it's interesting to me because james burroughs the director is 75 years old and i think it shows a little bit you know he he directed Taxi when it was on and yeah. he was at the, you know, and then he created Cheers. I mean, the top of his game was back then. I mean, not saying that he's not a great director because, you know, he directed Wings, Frasier, Friends, Third Rock from the Sun. He's done stuff recently, like Two Broke Girls and Mike and Molly. He's an executive producer on Mike and Molly, Big Bang. I mean, he's around, but um, it's interesting to me that he would connect and attach himself to this this show because it, it just totally feels so unoriginal to me. And uh, I don't know if you know this, Anne, this is one of the episodes of this show. I think it was the second or the third episode that he directed is his 1,000th episode directing it. Wow. Yeah. That's so, amazing. Yeah. It's, I wish he would have saved it for something a little with a little more uh... meat. Well, something I find really interesting is that the the concept of kids moving home with their parents is that's a really like that's a really interesting issue to tackle. Well, yeah, it's so prevalent these days. Yeah, but they beat that fact over the head. Like they're like, this is happening all over. All these kids are moving back home. They say it like three times Mm -hmm. that like we're not the only kids that are doing this. All our friends are doing this. This is happening all across America, but they're not showing anything. And Mm -hmm. I know that it's, it's the pilot so like yeah they're trying to establish right. what's going on but but ultimately the plot is so simple yeah that really what you need to spend time on in a pilot like this is the relationships and making us care about the characters and there were so many uh like one-off jokes that i didn't feel like were written for the characters at all they were just like Stock tweets jokes. that the writers didn't decided to not tweet and just put into the script. Yeah. A mess. Ugh. We spent so much time teaching the girls how special they are. Why didn't we teach them how to shut a cabinet door? Why don't we buy free-range chicken? I mean, how free are they really? It's not like they're letting them walk into town. Speaking of things. Mike, stop it. We are not asking the girls to leave. There was an unbelievable conversation transition where 
the one, the, the like sexy actress daughter was talking about how, you know, how you text boys to her nerdy um, sister. And then the nerdy sister is like, well, if, if you know all this about boys, why did you break up with your boyfriend? Which made no sense. Like, it, not only did it not seem like they were sisters and knew each other at all, and, you know, we've mm-hmm. established exactly. that they were in I, the I, same house, but, like, it's like she's an alien from another planet. Yeah, that was shocking to me. That was the point <laughs> in which I was like, oh, they're not – they're pretending like these girls have never met. Like, Yeah. And you're just realizing that this one's good with – that she's better with boys than you? Anyway. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to – I don't want to, like – rag on this pilot too much i just i just was it was like one of those things where i sat there and i watched it kind of in silence i maybe laughed once um just because i think patrick warburton can have a really good deadpan delivery uh occasionally i mean yeah that's what but he didn't have much to work with so it sort of occurred to me when i was watching it that i was like oh this is disney channel acting totally you know what i mean and i mean i didn't i mean and of course, like Miranda Cosgrove comes from that school, but not even her. I think she was playing it maybe the least yeah. Disney of all of them. But it was so heightened in the, the just the, the way that they were talking to each other and about each other, and it just was maybe if it was on Disney Channel, it would be it would just fit in the same groove of what it was there. But yeah. this is an NBC well now that show you, for adults. Now that yes. you're saying that, Maya, that makes me think that oh maybe they aren't in front of a live studio audience maybe it is a laugh track because i could feel i could see being in an empty room uh and just not feeling the energy come back from the audience and really needing to like gnaw at it and go for it because (laughs) you're just not getting a response on top of that i also think it seems disney because they don't trust their audience and they're like oh this audience needs a lot of explaining we need to explain Mm -hmm. every single moment or mm-hmm. like the one part where, you know, they're smoking pot and they're like, oh, you know what's the greatest thing about smoking pot as an adult? You know, you never get paranoid. And you know, you know, because you're a smart audience member or, or you're just a human being that the next joke is them going to, they're going to be paranoid. The doorbell rings right. and they're going to think exactly. it's the police. Like, yeah. it's like that predictable. So that's yeah. just not trusting the audience. And that's not if a there good is joke. like, and that yeah, if that exactly. is if that is the par for your joke in a in a comedy sitcom, a new uh, a new NBC network sitcom, then that's a pretty low uh, low bar. Um, but I think maybe we can transition here and just instead let's just talk about what makes a really good multi camera sitcom, because that's more interesting to me yeah. at this point than just saying this show is shitty. Well, I'm kind of thinking about Will and Grace now just because this is James Burroughs. And I'm thinking about, okay, what made that so, what made it work? And it was the action. And -hmm. it was the energy. It was the intense energy of the actors and them feeding off of the audience. And I feel like if it's going to be a multicam sitcom and it's, you're going to, and it's going to have laughter, then it has to be a live audience and the performers have to have energy and it has to be action-based. And every, and and talking about Will and Grace and friends, it's like the specificity of those relationships totally. in every moment is so, so palpable and so interesting. They actually wrote, they actually wrote comedy that was not just for laughs. It was for, to make you feel something, you know, to make you care about the characters and there just wasn't any of that in this pilot. 
Yeah, you can turn on an episode of Will and Grace or Friends or Frasier anytime and not be totally clear where they are in this, you know, the, their multiple seasons. But because the relationships are always so clear, you're like, oh, okay, you know, if so-and-so does this to so-and-so, you know, you understand why they would react a certain way. Like you can just jump right in. And yeah, their personalities are clear um, in in not a way that this is a nerd and this is a, a, a like a hippie girl. You know, it's like- You don't have to be set opposites against each other to make it contrast, totally. you know? It's not that Will was the opposite of Grace and so that's why it was funny. It's that they were real people and that they had similarities, but they also had, you know- I mean, actually- differences. Think, and- thinking about Chandler, the- the thing about Chandler is he was sarcastic. I mean, the, there is a recurring joke in Friends that we have no idea what he does. It's not like he's a scientist. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, it's more about the energy of the performer and the writing and and the way in which they interact with the other characters that makes it so compelling. Oh my God. And, and Frasier's like one of the, in my opinion, one of the best written things, like not not just TV, but like mm-hmm. movie. Like I just think the writing on that is so unbelievable. And that's like, it, it's just so smart in the way it, it, it's like a commentary on society and people. And it's like at once, it, you know, and class extremely structure real. in a way, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, totally. It's so real, but it's also making fun of it. And, and it, it's again, that pace that like keeping it up, keeping the ball in there. And, and mm-hmm. yeah, I kind of was thinking about that because I was like, Oh, I feel bad because I'm watching this. I'm watching this multicam sitcom and I'm really not enjoying it. And I'm like, Oh, but I don't really watch any multicam sitcoms right now. So then I started yeah. to feel bad about myself and being like, "Oh, maybe I, this is just a, isn't a format that I like." But then I was thinking back, and two days ago, I just turned on an episode of The Golden Girls, and like I laughed so hard, and I cry. I even <laughs> I shed a tear because it was kind of an emotional episode. And I'm like, "No, these things are actually timeless if they're done well." Yeah, totally. Um, and I, you can turn one on and 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 have a, have a good time. I mean, I don't watch Big Bang Theory. But I'm sure it's, you know, it it speaks to a certain uh, audience. And I'm sure the characters are based in foundational relationships, I suppose. Well, it's hard because we're talking about these shows that have have lasted for years and we have like personal connections with with the characters and all that. And, you know, this we've seen one episode of this show. But like, and you know, I watched the the pilot of Thirty Rock recently, and I was shocked at how different it was from the whole rest of the series. And mm-hmm. I was like, "Whoa! I wonder if I watch that that pilot now, if I would continue watching the show." Because I think I jumped on the Thirty Rock boat like halfway through the first season, like didn't even see the pilot because it was so unfamiliar to me. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's interesting. It's, do you feel like when you watch that pilot, do you feel like that you understood though the the characters um emotional availability and yeah, the way in which I they did. Re- yeah, in a way that world? I didn't with this and also yeah. like you know there's so many different interesting characters that I had ne- never seen before. Like I mean mm. just you know Kenneth popping up the first episode like <laughs> yeah. where yeah. did that who idea come from you know who is this like crazy guy <laughs> and you know it's not I, like he's not like the nerd it's like you want to know more about him like I don't want to know more about the 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 failed actress I don't want to know more about the the nerdy girl like 
because I yeah. know I know exactly what that is, and it's just so right. uninteresting. It's so funny to me. I thought about this halfway through the episode too. I was like, why are so many why do so many sitcoms have the grandparents around like all the time my grandparents are never <laughs> never were around all the time they didn't and where live across that the screaming street? across the the oh, yard oh, motif come oh. from who does that i don't know but it pops up a lot yeah, yeah. and it's it, i think it's like a sitcom trope just having oh not only do we have our kids to deal with but we also have our parents that is it's been done so many times. That's kind of Everybody else Raymond drove it into the ground and it should be done. <laughs> like that should just, the grandparents totally. thing should be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. even in the Big Bang Theory, the, the that one guy's mom is like always screaming from her room. <laughs> <laughs> and like, that's a running joke. And I didn't find yeah. that funny. I find that funny. <laughs> Where does that come from? Why do we oh, keep so much screaming? <laughs> it really was upsetting. <laughs> Uh, there was actually, I will say though, there was one moment in this pilot that I was like, oh, if it can find more of this, then then it might be something. Which was, there's a moment where, kind of near the end of the episode, when pa- Patrick Warburton and Stacy Keach, his dad, are like, just kind of in the kitchen and the dad's about to leave. And I think the line was just like, Hey, are you okay, man? How are you? How are you? And mm-hmm. he's just like, I'm okay. And they kind of look at each other for a minute. And it was surprisingly sweet. I also think that those are the two, two most grounded people in this, in this pilot. I don't know. It was like, it was a, it was a, it was a fleeting moment of, of uh, something in the pilot. Um, and then, and then they just kind of had the moment and then they stared at each other for a little bit longer and were like, okay, now this is awkward. And then that became a joke and that was fine with me. But I did think I was like, if you can cultivate that more coming out of this, you know, in episode two and three, perhaps there's a chance. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say earlier that you had you'd brought up those two being the most grounded actors and I was going to say, "Oh yeah, that their their scene together was my definitely my favorite scene." Yeah. But then I couldn't remember why. And I think that's because that that moment sort of came out of nowhere, you know? We it wasn't mm-hmm. really leading up to it. It was really genuine and tender, but like and it was the where only did that moment, come from. <laughs> it was the only moment they gave any time. Yeah. You know, they let something rest and sit and actually just like looked at each other instead of whack a whack towards the audience. Mm. Guys, how many episodes do we see this uh show getting? I think I I have a feeling they're going to like introduce some guest stars. And Oh, I did yeah. hear Betty White is going to be on an upcoming episode. Oh, so Oh, because, really? Yeah, because of her hot in Cleveland uh connection, connection? with the That video. makes sense. Oh, yeah, awesome. see I I knew it. I was like they're going to bring in some because there's just there's so little there. I was like they've got to bring stuff from the outside and then I feel like kind of get their groove. I think it'll last longer than we think. Yeah. All right. I think it might too. Yeah, I I yeah. I They're feel like it'll get a season. I really do. I, I think so too. I mean, the, the cast is, I mean, Stacey Keach and Patrick Warburton and, and I mean, James Burroughs. I mean, it's that itself is going to carry it through a season. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Oh, also guys, I will say though, this is, they did, NBC has kind of put this in a time slot that is kind of known as death for sitcoms, which is Sunday night. 
Uh, There's really not any sitcoms on Sunday night. Although I'm thinking maybe that Life in Pieces is also on Sunday night, which is also a family comedy. Um, So that could also be competition with this. But that is known Hmm. in the business as like, this is where comedy, you know. Can we talk about how the fact that the um, grandma is black and... Yeah. I thought that I thought that was pretty cool that they like didn't hit that over the head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool and, but also a little confusing at the same time because it's like confusing, but mom, then they cleared it up later in, it in up a up very later. casual way that mm-hmm. I was like, that's pretty badass. And I think they so kind like of wanted I was pleased family. with the way that they handled it. Yeah. I think they kind of wanted it to be a little shock value value and you'd go, What? Because Patrick Orburn's like, Oh, my my parents are here, and then a black lady walks down the stairs. But they didn't And then he's know, like, Mom. It wasn't a <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a that step. That's pretty one. cool. Yeah. And like I, I guess a great opportunity for um you know, a div- a more diverse cast than just like an all white family. And why not? I mean, there are more divorced, you know, couples and or remarried couples in the world than are usually portrayed on TV unless it's a show about Absolutely. being divorced or yeah. remarried, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It like wasn't about like it wasn't about that and it worked and it yeah i mean we usually ask will we watch anymore yeah um i don't think i'm gonna watch sequentially but i might check in if it's if it's a season i might check in at the end of the season and see what what happened you know where these people are now have they turned into real people have they, have they have they just that's because it's such idea. a powerhouse yeah. production team and betty white's gonna be on it yeah. i'm totally gonna check in mm-hmm. like i don't i don't want to keep up no with them way. every week but i'll check in <laughs> yeah. at the end i think that's a great plan maya oh and thank you so much for watching oh my gosh. this with thank us thank you for having um, me you know i always want every show to be good and especially because i we're essentially forcing guests <laughs> <laughs> to watch tv that we're that, that probably they wouldn't otherwise so we really appreciate Absolutely. it. Anne, is there anything you want to promote uh, or plug? Uh, sure. I have a YouTube channel. Uh, if you look up Anne Hollister, like the uh, clothing store, um, I've got some pretty funny videos. Funny. Yeah. If you're not too yeah, they're, turned they're off right. by my Please scathing review out. of Crowded. <laughs> yeah. And does a pretty spot on Drew Barrymore, I will say, I've too. I've been told. Which I appreciate. It's not, it's not bad. <laughs> I have to say, so do my friends Matt Kuyawa oh. and Julian Gundry, who helped me create that wonderful impression. Great. Well, Thank thanks you. so much I love again, you guys. Anne. All right, guys. We are here with Randy Kleiner, my old friend and the founder and CEO of Series Fest. Uh, thanks so much for being with us, Randy. Yeah, Thank you for Randy. having me. And I just want to clarify, I'm not old. I'm oh, just, no. I'm just an older friend. Yeah, we've been friends for a long time. It's true. You're <laughs> very, just, you're very young. Be, uh... Thank you for clarifying. Uh, she's the young founder and CEO of Series Fresh-faced, dewy founder and CEO. <laughs> um, so give us a, just a, like a brief synopsis of what Series Fest is, because it's super cool. Sure. Series Fest is a cutting-edge new festival. Uh, it's an episodic content and television festival dedicated to showcasing the best series from emerging and established creators. And really, we have three goals with Series Fest. We are okay. trying to generate a marketplace for content, for episodic content. 
We are um, really celebrating what's happening in the industry and talking about where the future is going and having really sort of incredible conversations with industry luminaries and independent content creators about what's happening in the space. And then the real and probably the most important thing is creating a community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as someone who came from a more of a film background and a film festival background, what was incredible to me was, you know, you'd go on the sort of festival circuit, if you will, you know, to Sundance, to South by Southwest, to the to Toronto, New York Film Festival, Cannes, et cetera. And, you know, you start to see the same faces. Right. And there really is a community of creators and industry executives out there who come together and go on this festival circuit. But in the television world, uh, that really didn't exist, you yeah, know. And every, I think it, it seems like everything before Serious Fest is like behind closed doors, meetings, networking, exactly. you know, you know, sort of totally. And like, how often did you see like CBS executives talking to ABC executives, talking mm-hmm. to you know independent content creators? Um, everybody, I think, felt a little bit on their own island, and, sure. and that to me was the most incredible thing about Series Fest um, was that all of a sudden you had all these people in a room having, you know dealing with the same challenges and opportunities Mm -hmm. and having great discussions around it. Um, And the festival is held annually in Denver in June. Uh, We partner with the Denver Film Society. um, So we use their their main venue, which is called the Sea Film Center, which has three theaters. And um, last year, uh, we was our first year, so we're, mm-hmm. we're gearing up for season two, as we say. Yeah. And uh, it was just, it took off way quicker than we had anticipated. Well, that's, and that's the crazy thing. <laughs> so, like, you have all, you have all the networks involved. To me, that says that there was a need for this. Immediately, it seems like you approached people and they were like, yes, you know, and... There was no question that this needed to happen. And it's crazy that it hadn't happened before this. Yeah, yeah. And there and there are a couple of other festivals right. out there, you know, but I think um, you know, we did it in sort of a different and new way. Um, but to to your point, exactly. I mean, it took a long time, you know, not I mean, we didn't actually have a long time. We so we decided to do this in January of last year. We announced in February and launched in June. Oh so it was God. like the timeline was Absolutely insane. That's less but... time than it took me to plan this podcast, <laughs> which is so, so sad. Makes me feel very... <laughs> That's amazing. Um, yeah, but, you know, we just started banging down every door and calling in. I feel like I'm going to owe favors for the next 30 years of my life to everybody I've ever met. But that's okay. It was worth it, or, I think. Um, but, um, you know, we... But what was crazy to me is you walk in and, you know, say, oh, we're starting a television festival. And they're like, That's great. What is that? You know, yeah. because it's not something that not, that really existed in, in a big formal way. Mm-hmm. Um, but to your point, yeah, I mean, once one network got involved, then sort of all all the other networks became intrigued and interested, and and it just sort of um, uh, it came together really quickly. And I can kind of just give you a background of what we did last year, just uh-huh. to sort of set it. So we opened at Red Rocks Amphitheater, which is one of the reasons we ended up in Denver, one of the most like amazing venues Absolutely I've ever seen. 9,500 yeah. seat open air. And we had, um, we did the premiere of a, a independent series. And then we had Whitney Cummings and John Legend perform. <laughs> so it was like this epic opening <laughs> night. I don't even know how it happened. But it was over there. You know, um, just John Legend. Just, just, just my old friend, John. John. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then we, everything else t- took place um, so Friday and Saturday and Sunday, downtown at the Sea Film Center. And we had an independent pilot competition. So we took submissions like you would at a film festival. Right. So mm-hmm. all independently created, fully produced, either 20 to 30 minute or 45 to 60 minute pilots across all genres. I mean, mm-hmm. and from around the world. Yeah. Wow. And we chose 26. 
and we had a jury and we showcased them and it was amazing. We had someone represented, usually the creator or the, or the executive producer from every single pilot. So we would do talkbacks after. Um, and it was just, it was really fascinating to see like how these people were able to do it. How did they fund it? How, you know, where did they come from? What was, what were they hoping to get out of it? And things like that. So we had a whole section like that. And then we had a special event section where we showed nine major network pre uh, premieres. So we had the cast and creators out of Mr. Robot, which Love went on it. to win the Golden Globe. And it's been incredible. Yeah. Uh, along with AMC's Humans. Um, we had ABC Quantico and Blood and Oil, stuff right. from HBO, FX, uh, Stars. So there was like a section of that and then a series of panel discussions about the future of TV and storytelling. And we really tried to focus on aspects that weren't traditionally spot spotlighted. Word spotlight highlighted, highlighted. There, there, we there we go, there we go. traditionally <laughs> yeah. highlighted. Um, and so, yeah, so we had like a showrunner panel and a casting director panel yeah. and a panel about the future and the digital age. Um, totally. And so, yeah, I mean, it just it was it was incredible. We just got a great group of people there who, again, it was just having a great time. Yeah. And so, after the success of the first year, have you seen just submissions? grow a ton yeah we just year. we just closed our so we also do a pilot we do a comedy pilot script competition which we just closed mm -hmm. submissions cool. for and we had a 50 percent increase from last year oh my god and our independent pilot submissions closed on april 1st and not only have the number grown the quality That's which great. i actually thought last year was i kept boasting about the quality and this year it's that much better and mm -hmm. we're getting way more submissions from you know other countries um so it's just it's really exciting i mean i think oh, sorry no no do you find like that the do you find that the pilots the produced pilots that uh people submit are they are they independent pilots that just have only the pilot or do some also have something beyond that like more episodes is there a standard for that for you guys or is it just bring us your content and it will watch the pilot and that's kind of what it is. Yeah, exactly. So there's definitely some that are, you know, may have been put on the web that have additional episodes or okay. things like that. Um, but for us, we only look at the pilot and then they, and then we also ask for a series Bible so that we can understand main character descriptions, season arc or series arc. Yeah. Um, and get a look of kind, making sure that the creator, not only, Hey, we have this, we we're a great creator and can produce this, but we actually have a vision to bring for this forward yeah. because that's, the biggest difference, right, between a film and a series <laughs> is series has got to last over, you know, multiple yeah. hours, multiple episodes. And so you've got these mini arcs happening over one long arc and you kind of want to see, you know, what, how that's going to sort of totally. lay out. Mm -hmm. um, and can you just talk a little bit more about just the movement of independent television? Because, I mean, yeah, the film community, independent film has been around forever. And I feel like independent TV is also kind of new. Absolutely. I mean, this phrase, the independent television movement, which I've heard more and more, especially down at South by Southwest, where we just were, I mean, it, it's, uh, it's just exploding right now. Um, and, you know, at the very core of what an ind independent television is, is, you know, it's work made outside of the traditional studio and network system, right. typically for smaller budgets. Um, but where I think the really exciting thing is, is you're getting a whole group of diverse creators um, telling unique stories that you would never find on traditional TV. And, you know, similar to the renaissance that was happening in independent film in the 80s and 90s and with Sundance and things like that, you're mm -hmm. now seeing it in episodic content. And, you know, I 
I attribute that to the fact of the rise of these digital platforms. Totally. Because um, all of a sudden you have a, you have multiple places to get your work seen and distributed. Um, and so it's just, uh, it's really exciting. And the other cool thing that I find um, with this too is by people being able to go out there and just create and produce their own work, the power is truly in the creator's hands. And, you know, to me, I think that's where you're going to see the another shift in how the, like the paradigm is shifting, I suppose, is, um, you know, the creators will begin to sort of have the overall power versus the network or studio that yeah. they have in the past. Well, I feel like regardless, people say like, this is the renaissance, like this, is, we're having a TV renaissance. I think that generally just TV is respected more than it used to be, you know? I feel like the networks are having to raise their game. Yeah, absolutely. And in that way, every content producer is. And... You know. Yeah, a development executive at HBO told me they they don't make series anymore; they make ten hour films, and I thought that was that really so interesting. But yeah. I think what they're getting at is the quality. First of all, the money they're putting into it, but the quality mm-hmm. of work they're producing is just the mm-hmm. game is just raised. Yeah, um, and it's it's definitely exciting. And I think you hit it on the head. I mean, people say like, "What's happening in TV?" I mean, Robert Redford said that at Sundance as like his intro is there's more interesting things happening in TV than film right now. And I, I just think it's, you know, TV's a little bit behind in that way because there wasn't all of these risk-taking, uh, you know, producers and studios mm-hmm. and networks. And with Netflix and Amazon and Hulu, now you're starting to – it's really opening up the doors. Totally. Um, so it's exciting. It is exciting. It's almost overwhelming, the amount of platforms and just the game has changed. It's it's not fall pilots, mid-season pilots – all these platforms are rolling out stuff just as they go. Well, Netflix really changed that, right? When they yeah. released Orange is the New Black in the summer. And all of a sudden, I, I felt like there was this weird thing where everybody thought everybody takes vacation at the same exact time and nobody watches TV in June, June July, and August. Yeah, and it's just like, and oh, then, let's create shitty TV for summer. Yeah, or Why? just reruns or we'll do, you know, non, non-scripted, <laughs> you know, competition shows. Yeah, exactly. But, but guess, it's, it's, I know it's crazy. People still watch TV in the summer. It's amazing. <laughs> Even though their kids are away. Actually, maybe that's more of a reason. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, the kids Sit are down camp. and shut up. We're gonna watch this. <laughs> I can watch what I want for once. Um, but no, I, absolutely. I mean, now, I mean, Mr. Robot launched in, I right. think it was end of June um, last year. And that was a huge, you know, people were wondering how that was going to do in the summer. And again, it's just like, yeah, people are still watching. So. That probably was a great thing for it, too. Because, you know, what? Oh, it, it didn't, didn't have lost. as much competition. And it was like renowned and, and this beautiful, weird new uh, show, and I can't say from enough. USA Network, like, and I, from I USA, which is totally unexpected too, yeah. because like they're you know USA kind of has their thing that we're used to, and this was outside that, and and I think it, it again speaks to everyone raising their game, and USA saying you know what we need to we need to break break the box a little bit, you know. Well, I think you hit on a good point too when you said there's so much to watch. Like I don't even know what to watch, and I think why a podcast like this can be so successful, or why a festival like ours can be successful, is we're not we're also. Put, getting behind shows that we believe people should or should in your case should or shouldn't be watching <laughs> but you know um i mean how do you break through there is so much noise in this space right now right. um you know how do networks you know some networks or maybe like a mr robot you know they were able to build a ferris wheel in the middle of south by southwest i mean maybe that's the way to go but you know i think traditionally it's now finding ways to um 
you know, what we're trying to do at Series Fest is also curate what we feel are the next best great shows that people should be watching. Right. And I imagine it's really satisfying to start seeing these pilots come in that are more unique voices and more roles for women that are, you know, and all races, all ethnicities. And, you know, as an actor myself, I get these scripts and it's it's tough, you know. It's tough to find a role that that isn't, uh, you know, uh, a prostitute or a or a, you know a hard hitting lawyer, a lawyer, but who has a a man like <laughs> who's like her daddy figure. But then they're gonna have, you know have sex the next time. You know, it's like it's so satisfying to have something like this where there's a freedom to create your own work, especially for women and especially for yeah. you know different races and. Yeah, and ethnicities. Absolutely. I mean, somebody- and different, and different, um, just generations. You know, because I think sometimes that's really hard for young writers, uh, young peop- young television makers, is that you know the old the old hats are doing it all in Hollywood, and it's hard to break in. Sometimes it's a it's a closed network system for yeah. sure. I mean, it's it's so tricky to break in. Let you know, even just to get a foot in the door to get a meeting, it's so mm-hmm. difficult. Exactly. Um, but you know, I think that's what we pride ourselves on too, is we're curating, right? So we're taking all of these submissions we're getting and trying to present what we feel is, you know, the best selection. Um, and what we're really doing is externalizing, you know, the networks eventually I heard a really interesting um statistic that networks will some networks will produce you know 42 pilots at pilot season and green light maybe you know one or two of them and sometimes they involve a reshoot at that and they're spending anywhere from two to six million dollars per pilot so you're looking at hundreds of millions of dollars That's so crazy in now look over all the networks you i mean you're hundreds of you maybe even into the billions of dollars being spent at pilot season and only a, a small small handful are even getting produced and moving on. Um, and so, you know, eventually networks are going to look to externalize their right. development costs. And and a festival like ours can help do that because totally. we're, you know, even again, even if somebody comes and picks up a show from our uh, from our competition, you know, they might reach the pilot or they'll have a showrunner, they'll, you know, they'll do things, you know, they'll do things, of course. But what you're able to do versus reading a script or sitting in a 10-minute pitch meeting, mm-hmm. you actually get to fully visualize and immerse yourself in the creator's world. Right. You can see their talent, the talent of the actors, creator, producers, you know, the whole thing. Um, and I think, you know, the characters, you're really able to delve inside characters. Like, I think it's offering an opportunity for creators that they don't have when they just sort of step mm-hmm. in and have to, you know, hand in a script or some sometimes I heard people have like three minutes to pitch an idea yeah that's just insane to me I mean that just doesn't I I don't understand how you could tell anything yeah for those pilots that uh were from the first year what's happened with some of them yeah we've had two sort of success stories we had um one pilot called entrepreneur that got picked up by uh an independent production company here in new york called film bank that they actually are greenlighting six episodes so they're currently um writing rewriting and getting ready um to put that into production and then uh, our winning pilot witnesses got picked up by off the grid entertainment and they actually um, are turning it into an hour-long drama, which sort of makes sense for the format of it, and then, you know, hoping to sell it. Uh, and there was a lot of sort of initial interest from networks, so I think yeah. once they develop it out, and then they'll take it and, and try to sell the idea um, to networks. But, uh, you That's know... That's so cool. Yeah, and, and I think we'll see a lot more of that 
coming out of this year's festival. Right. I mean, people obviously were a little like trepidatious about like, what's happening. Yeah, what, this is what new. is this? What is this thing? Um, I still don't know what you say. Keep I keep saying TV festival. I don't know what that is. Um, you know, where now because of the success we had in the first year, I think we have a lot more eyes. We'll have a lot more industry executives present. Um, and you know, I just think again, it's just we're in the middle of this emerging, evolving model, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we're offering something different and new. So I think there'll be, uh, I think we'll see a lot more success. Yeah. And we're I'm going to be there this year. I'm coming. Yes. <laughs> well, you'll have, you'll have to come do some podcasts live from Series Fest. I'll be there. Um, um, yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what do you find has been the hardest thing about this blowing up? I, this is actually interesting. I mean, the, the biggest challenge we have is that because there's this is sort of not done you know, in a big way yet, is that there's so many opportunities and directions for us to grow mm-hmm. this festival mm-hmm. um, that it's overwhelming yeah. <laughs> because literally everybody has a great idea. And we have, there's a lot of great people that have come to partner with us, which we're really excited that we'll be announcing in the next couple of months. But it's it can be overwhelming. Yeah. Like literally I've been, I've been sort of traveling to some festivals to also get ideas. And my co-founder Kaylee is like, you have to stop because you call me with like 75 new great ideas. And I don't like, <laughs> we can't do it all. <laughs> we have to like, we have to pick and choose. Yeah. You know? You're always on the road now. I yeah, feel like. I'm, I'm on the road. I'm on the road a lot. But yeah, you know, so it's amazing and incredible, but it's, yeah, there's just, there's no sort of, no one's done this in this yeah, way. There's yet. no model. There's, there's so no model. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, but it, that's also, I mean, that's also amazing. Like, and it's an amazing opportunity, but I can imagine that's yeah, a little just scary. The abundance of goodness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I just, you know, we just talked every to every meeting I have. I feel like I've, I've launched a new initiative. Literally, they're like, don't. <laughs> Don't agree to any more initiatives. Like, you no more six you're launching this year, you know? And it's all exciting, fun stuff. Uh-huh. Um, that, uh, uh, But, yeah, it's just there's so much. Yeah. There's so much to do. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's that's the part. It's like there's so much more we can be doing mm-hmm. as a festival to support creativity and and, new, and episodic storytelling and, and this world. And so that's the challenge that we sort of try to rise to. What's the what what would you say is the goal from the first year to the second year that you've decided? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the thing our biggest sort of learning curve from year one was unlike a film, a film at a film festival's done. It's a completed product and you know, a distributor will come decide I want that product and to sell it, right? Mm-hmm. But with a with a pilot, it's just the seed of an idea. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we noticed was after the festival last year, all of our creators or most of our creators basically came back to us and said, well, now what? Help us more. Like, help us. And we were like, wait, wait, wait. Like, we, we like, you know, help us get into this meeting. Help us do that. And we wanted to, but we weren't necessarily set up structurally to support, mm-hmm. you know, 26 shows ultimately right. yeah. Um, mentorship yeah and mentorship yeah. And, and sort of help. so what we've what we've done for this year is try to set up um is is to restructure slightly to set up to support these creators and we're now partnering um with some big producers to that you know i think we'll also get involved in certain projects prior but you know our goal is now like when we accept something in submission we're having pre-conversations with the creators where do you see this going what do you want from it so that we prior to the festival can be ready to support their goals um heading in mm-hmm. um and just so it's it's a little bit different it's and it's different i mean that's not 
what's done in a film festival. I mean, when no. I worked at the New York Film Festival, I don't think any of the, you know, heads or creative tiers, what's it, selection committee were saying, you know, and and where, you know, who do you want to pick this up? Let yeah. me get you that meeting. You know, it's just, yeah, it's, it's just not like how you... it works. You just present it. Yeah. But I, I think um, it's just different with series because it's just the start of an idea and you're mm-hmm. asking a network or a platform or a brand who wants to produce this. It's not only more money typically it's a much longer in-depth relationship because you could want to do something for five to seven seasons yeah and so it's not just like hey let me just sell your film in the next year this film that is done and it's its own little thing and you know yes once it's filmed the production team disperses and it's it's like the the film is the only entity a tv film a tv show is like a breathing entity that continues to live exactly so i think that's that's one of the biggest um differences going into this um year we also added a day already we had we ended up with so much programming i thought yeah I'm lucky that the Denver Film Society will still host us. I literally think I programmed three theaters with 15-minute breaks from 9 in the morning to 1 a.m. Oh, my <laughs> like, God. It was just crazy. I bet we did. It, it all, so much of it sort of fell into place at the mm-hmm. end. So we added a day. So we're going to spread out the programming a little bit. We added an international section, which I'm cool. really excited about. So we're going to show four series that are claimed in other countries that don't yet have U.S. distribution. Um, as you know, some of the best shows come from yeah, and even this the world. even this season, I've like as you know, because I'm doing the research for what pilots I'm gonna watch or what's you know new in TV, and it's like so many of these networks are buying foreign the rights to foreign shows and wanting to remake them. Totally, which, and now duh. Netflix is just buying the rights and showing them, and uh, you know they just bought a German show that they're showing, yeah, and mm-hmm. I do that all the time. Um, so it's interesting. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm really uh, I'm excited about that. Yeah, yeah. cool. Um, I'm excited for this year, but... I can't wait to have you there. Uh, yeah, I'm going to be there. <laughs> um, but we have a little game. Okay. Which perhaps you know from listening to the podcast called Crashed Pilots. So we have three log lines. Um, one is a real failed pilot and the other two are ones that we wrote. Okay. Um, so we're going to read them and you can guess which one is the real one. The okay. real failed pilot. <laughs> How does that sound? That sounds great. <laughs> um, Maya, why don't you begin? That one? Whatever. All right. Uh, this is actually an untitled pilot. Uh, this is the logline. When a Tony-winning mother smashes Megan Hilty and a risk-averse cerebral father are blessed with a son who is a natural-born competitive athlete, they're forced outside their parental comfort zones and into the high-octane world of youth sports. <laughs> this was an ABC show that just never happened. <laughs> Okay, and I that, can understand that, why. Untitled. That was untitled, yeah. Uh, this one is called Doll House. So D O L L and then H A U S, okay? Um, Cass moves to the Big Apple for a position at what she thinks is going to be her dream job as a fashion designer. What she doesn't know is that her models are 14 inches tall. This comedy follows Cass in her struggle to truly break into the fashion business and define herself with New York City as the backdrop. This pilot was optioned by USA but not picked up. And that's Dollhouse. No, it's Dollhouse. House. <laughs> this one's called What's in a Game. What's in a Game is a workplace comedy in the most unlikely of places, a game show. On stage, she's known as Dana, played by Molly Sims, the show's glamorous spokesmodel. In real life, she's Latrice, an uncoordinated, perpetually drunk woman who just can't seem to get her life together. NBC cast the show, but never actually filmed a pilot. 
Yeah, so we have the untitled one about youth sports, dollhouse, or what's in a game. What's your? What do you think is the real I'm one? I'm going to go with what's in a game. Oh, it was the untitled one about youth no, sports. No, that was, the that real was one. not real. Yeah, smashes Megan no. Hilty. <laughs> yeah, and the other two uh, we wrote for two of our Kickstarter backers. <laughs> so uh, dollhouse, thank you, Cassandra Shea. Uh, there's your log line that we promised to write you. Um, and Dana Klinkman, one of our other backers. Hey, Dana. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for your generous contrib- contributions. And we have so much fun writing those. It's just so... Where it was I, I like, was really... I thought the first one was, there was no way. <laughs> you got me. Good, good. Um, cool. Oh, well, thank you so much for doing this, Randy. No, and, and what are the dates of Series Fest? Yeah. Uh, the dates of Series Fest Season 2 are June 22nd to the 26th uh, in Denver, Colorado. So come out and join us or submit your pilots. Uh, the final deadline is April 1st. Oh, all right. Come okay, on. cool. Cool. All right. Thank you so thank much. You, thank Randy. you. Well, there she blows, Maya. <laughs> That's the brunt of the episode. Yeah. Yep. Blows. Keyword. Uh, <laughs> so after we watched Crowded, we were both so just depressed. Yeah. Um, so Evan had this good idea to actually watch the old pilot for The Tick, which also starred Patrick Warburton, and it's a cult classic, and neither of us had ever seen it. Yeah, I think it only had eight. Ep- it, it had nine episodes total, but I think they only aired eight on Fox. But we watched it because... Well, anyway, and we re- we really enjoyed it. it. You know what? We don't hate everything. No, the the tick was great and um, highly it, original. Oh yeah, weird, imaginative. F- we laughed funny, out loud many times. Really, really good. And you were saying it's sort of in that era of Fox shows that were they were just kind of taking chances on different stuff. So it was just really unique and interesting. Yeah. And if you haven't heard, actually, Amazon bought the rights and is casting a reboot. Yeah, currently. it's uh, starring. Uh, Peter Serafinowitz, who was the, if you remember in Shaun of the Dead, he's the roommate at the beginning who tells, you know, Shaun to get his life together and then he finds him in the shower as a zombie. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited to see what happens with that. Yeah, that's so. going to be on Amazon. At there some you point. go. A little TV news before yeah. we depart. Uh, and don't forget, if you just happen to have a fully produced independent pilot laying right. around, <laughs> submit it to Series Fest. Yeah. There you go. Uh, before April 1st, I believe. Yep. Uh, you can find all of our social media links and information on pilotcopilots.com. That's all one word, no hyphen in that. And most importantly, don't forget to subscribe and review us on iTunes. Yes. Subscribing is the most important part. Subscribe. So, yes. Pilot Co-Pilots is produced by Evan Watkins and Maya Boudreaux with music by Chris Ryan. Thanks again for listening, guys. <laughs> Bye.